الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد ألا إن أولياء الله لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون صدق الله العظيم so to continue with our sessions on what Tasawwuf and Sufism is actually all about uh, Today I believe it's the 8th lesson, it's the 8th uh, part in the series And uh, since we've now, in the previous sections, we've been able to cover the various different um, levels of the, the nafs The 7 different stages of the nafs, we've been able to cover that Now we move on to some of the other very important aspects that will help us to uh, develop this, uh, develop our nafs and ascend, inshallah, uh, second to the third to the fourth and inshallah above that. There are some number of things that have to be taken into consideration there. The first thing that he talks about, he says, That's his poem. He says, you need to have fear dominate over hope. He'll explain that a bit later as to what exactly we mean, what we mean by fear, what we mean by hope. Wasir li and traverse to your Lord. Continue on to your Lord. Make an effort to get to your Lord. Bila tanain, without any kind of um, laziness, without any kind of procrastination without any kind of uh, delay in that you need to do it as soon as possible so waghallib fi hali ishtighalika bidhikr al-madhkur al-khawf min Allah ta'ala ma dumta fi hali as-sihha so remember the the thing he emphasized the most since the beginning is a repetition of la ilaha illallah that is your secret he's saying but along with that, he mentioned all of the etiquettes. Now he's saying that your state, right? Your state normally when you're doing the dhikr of Allah, that make sure that your khawf, your fear dominates your hope while you are in the state of occupation, while you're occupied uh, in the state of dhikr that we've mentioned before. The dhikr that we spoke about before, which was... Uh, La ilaha illallah. While you're doing your adhkar, whatever the adhkar you have, you need to make sure that your state is generally one of dominant fear over, uh, over uh, hope. Fear from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very different from, uh, to fear from anybody else. When you fear someone in this world and you fear them, you generally hate them unless you love them for a certain reason, unless it's somebody close to you. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with parents for example, it's a reverent fear. You fear uh, upsetting them. You don't fear that they're going to beat you up only. That's not the main fear. But when you fear anybody else, then you fear that they're going to punish you. They're going to put you under hardship and things of that nature. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fear is supposed to be um, this particularly reverent fear. Now what he says here is that this fear from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs to be dominant during the time of well-being 
when you don't when you're not suffering from any illness when you're not in any terminal illness when you're not old and completely disabled and or bedridden or whatever the case is then normally in your normal state as we are healthy in your normal state of health you need to dominate have your fear dominate over your hope what does he mean by hope he says uh, hope is also needed he's just saying that the one needs to dominate the other that's all you can't be without hope at all and just completely dominated by fear that's not a life but on the other hand you can't just let hope dominate just because we've got health and we've got a bit of wealth and we've got uh, freedom doesn't mean that we then allow the hope to take over which deceives us into thinking that we are independent we're, on, we're not in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or anybody else for that matter the fear needs to dominate during the normal courses of one's life meaning we need to be more fearful that Allah is going to be punishing us not overly fearful that we then lose hope and think well I'd rather let him punish me because I don't think I can keep straight because we're going to make mistakes that's why we need the hope uh, to, to help us through those states but at the same time the fear must generally dominate otherwise we're going to become too relaxed he says what he intends by this is to say that you need both fear and hope but the fear should just be dominant you need to have more fear than you have hope but you must have hope because fear and hope are like the two wings of a bird or any flying object you generally don't see flying objects with just one wing right for the most part even cars that drive they generally are balanced on both sides because there's a concept of aerodynamics right that needs to be there needs to be a balance on both sides especially with flying objects you need generally to have it balanced so likewise he says that with only one wing if you only had fear or you only had hope that bird would not be able to fly that's why you need both Mata if you lose one wing you're gonna have a crash so likewise with the human being if you don't have fear at all or you don't have hope at all you're gonna have the, you're gonna have a spiritual crash that's the only thing that there are times to push one up um, push it up over the other one right you need to do this strategically and he's teaching us that strategy he says that except in the time of siha which means well-being and health and well-being then it is most appropriate to keep the fear side more dominant over the side of the hope because having the fear dominant it acts like I mean he's saying like a stick like a whip right which drives a person to be constantly concerned about their worship if you don't have any fear and you just think Allah's going to forgive anyway. Look at all of those stories of those people who are forgiven. Look at that prostitute that was forgiven for just feeding a dog. I'll do that once in my life. I'll do that 10 times. You know, I've done it in Ramadan. Right? In the last few Ramadans, I've been donating this much money you know, to Syria. In fact, I've been to the Rohingya for relief work. Right? That's much more than that prostitute did. She only fed a dog once. So it's very easy to be deluded 
what sentiment that prostitute had when she fed that dog. Do you know what that sentiment was that got her accepted? What was in her mind? What was in her heart when she did that? That's what really counts with Allah. So somebody could be doing so much more good deeds than her, but not get anything in the hereafter. Because the niyyah is completely wrong. Right? It's just misplaced. And now we know that a lot of prostitutes, they're actually forced into the job. Right? If we get onto that subject, I mean, a lot of them are coerced into this job. They're, they're not there by choice. They just don't know how to get out. Once it's just a, apparently it's just such a bad situation that you get beaten up and Allah protects. So we don't know what was going on in her mind. So let's not misunderstand that story. But at the end of it, yes, Allah can forgive if you've got the right sentiment in your heart. It's about building that sentiment. For even, you know, the smallest of good deeds can give you so much more if you have the right sentiment behind it. And the Sahaba had that and that's why for them spending just a handful of something in the path of Allah would be superior to us spending a whole mountain load of something. Right? We'd need a lot of charity to compare to the, uh, you know, even a handful of charity of one of the Sahaba. They just give a handful of grain. And because of their trust in Allah and the kind of fear that they had was amazing. Anyway, he says, keep the fear dominant because the fear is going to drive you, inshallah, to be concerned about your worship because you're going to think, no, Allah's going to ask me one day. I'm going to stand in front of Allah one day. I better make my prayer. I, be I better make my qada. I better avoid, avoid this sin. Right? Because that fear helps us. That fear is very necessary. And think about it. When you don't have fear of Allah, when you lose that fear, then you're willing to do anything. So that's why that fear is so important. And that's why he then says, وَبِهِ تَزُولُ الرُّعُونَاتِ النَّفْسِيَّ عَنِ الْقَلْبِ إِنْشَاءَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى That fear is one of the best antidotes to all the unworthy desires of the heart. All the unworthy, unlawful desires of the heart, the fear is important because when you're about to do something wrong, if you have that fear, say, you're going to think twice about doing it. Otherwise, if there's no fear, you'll just do it. Who are you fearful of? Unfortunately, sometimes our state is that we don't do things in front of others, but we do things in front of Allah. We're more concerned about what others would think than what Allah would think. If Allah can just give us that kind of consciousness about Him, then He would really sort us out. فَإِذَا نَزَلَ Now that's the normal state. But He says now, فَإِذَا نَزَلَ بِهِ الْمَرَضِ وَأَشْرَفَ عَلَى الْمَوْتِ فَيَنْبَغِي تَغْلِيبُ جَانِبِ الرَّجَاءِ عَلَى الْخَوْفِ لِأَنَّهُ حَالُ الْقُدُومِ عَلَى الْكَرِيمِ However, once you now enter into a state of sickness, you become sick, you become ill, and you're peeking at death, you're looking at death, maybe you're staring at death in the face, not just peeking at it. Right now we're probably peeking at it, but you're staring at death. Then at that moment, it is actually more strategic and appropriate to have the hope aspect dominate over the fear. That's so, so perfect because he says that that is now the time that you are about to embark on your journey to the benevolent one, the Kareem, the benevolent one. So now you need to have that frame of mind. This is very important. I remember sitting by somebody who I knew very well, a family friend, older person who was about, you know, his last few days you could tell because he'd become very sick. It was a terminal illness. And Shaitan, Allahu Akbar. Shaitan comes in all forms at that time to make you fearful, to make you despondent. To, and this person, mashallah, he had <clears throat> done lots of good work. I remember he even taught in the madrasa. He used to be the first person there in Fajr. 
every day in a masjid. Yeah, these issues, right? Everybody has the issues, but this person had done so much in the community. He'd built, I think he dedicated a whole wing of a hospital in India. Lots of stuff like that. Last few days, I mean, we used to go to visit him. And he's like frightened. He's su he was such a bold man, you know, he was like a... Um, no, nobody could, no, nobody could uh, confront him before. But now he's so fearful. So this is shaitan attacking at the last moment saying that what's going to happen? What, you need to have a lot of hope then. You need to have a lot of hope then. So because shaitan really comes and attacks at that moment. That's why there's times when you... Or some, sometimes if you're just feeling really overly stressed, right? Sometimes you're feeling that uh, it's just too difficult then at that time if you start f if you start focusing on the fear too much that's just going to make your situation worse i've dealt with at least two people if not three two for sure in the last two years one was just very recently they're dominated by fear every time it's just their mind goes in overwrite most of us have, don't have that problem most of us have a problem of being dominated by hope that it's just so casual that we don't even fear but this, these two people they had so much fear ajib that they actually needed counseling to get regulated to tell them to focus on the verses of mercy and of compassion and of hope because they were just as soon as they would think about something they would see somebody you know, even non-Muslim dying, they're just like, oh no, he's going to go to hellfire, what's going to happen there? It just, it was debilitating. A healthy amount is good because it keeps us on our feet, but it shouldn't become overdone, then it becomes debilitating. And that's also then shaitan causing that to happen. That's why uh, a dua is, Allahumma ja'al wasawisa qalbi khashyataka wa dhikrak. Oh Allah, make the uh, thoughts and whispers in my heart your, your fear and remembrance. And وَجْعَلْ هِمَّتِي وَهَوَايَ فِيمَا تُحِبُّ وَتَرْضَى And uh, turn my, all my aspiration or direct all my aspiration and all my desires to be uh, in the direction of uh, those things which you love and which you are satisfied with. It's a beautiful idea, right? Especially for people with aspiration. You just want to make sure that aspiration goes in the right direction and not in the wrong direction, otherwise you could end up causing a lot of harm in this world for ourselves spiritually and for the world as well. Right, he's just going to... He, he's basically just going to... He's been talking about several terms, khawf, huzn, and raja. So he just wants to explain them. Khawf, which means fear, is... He says, Hammun wa qalakun lima huwa atin. To have fear and uh, to have fear <clears throat> for something that is about to come. So you're fearful about what's going to happen. Huzn is Hammun lima fat. It's the opposite. Huzn means to be remorseful over something you've lost. That's the word in Arabic. Grief over what you've lost. Huzn is grief over you've lost, whereas khawf is fear of something that is in the future that you're fearful of. And raja is ta'allukul qalbi bi marhubin yahsulu fil mustaqbil ma'al akhdi fil asbab. 
what is this hope that we're talking about? The right kind of hope that you're supposed to uh, muster up is for the heart to become associated with something that you desire that could come, that could be achieved in the future while also embarking on the means to acquire it. So these are not vain hopes, not empty hopes. Empty hopes, he says, فَإِن لَمْ يَأْخُذْ يَعْنِي فِي الْأَسْبَابِ If you don't take the means to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve, then فَطَمَعٌ Then that's just empty hopes. That doesn't get you anywhere. وَهُوَ مَذْمُومٌ شَرْعًا From a religious perspective, it is blameworthy to, uh, to just have empty hopes. If you hope for something, you need to start embarking upon it uh, while taking the right means to do so. And he says that's the hope we're talking about here. Right, that's the first point he mentioned. The first point was that just keep the hope dem dom uh, just keep the fear dominant unless you're uh, in a uh, in sickness or terminal illness. Wasir sayran hathithan li maulaka ay sayyidik sayyidika wa khaliqika bila tanain ay bila taba'udin anit tariq al mustaqim al musil ilallahi ta'ala bi an ta'allaka qalbuka bi ghayrihi ta'ala. And continue traveling, continue moving on, right? Wasir, sayran hathithan, move with a lot of diligence. Continue moving with a lot of diligence towards your Lord. Sayyidik wa khaliqik. You're basically your, your Lord, your Master and your Creator. Bila tanain, without going far off the track. Make sure it's focused. You don't keep going off the track. Uh, that, the one that's going to take you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't take side excursion to too many places otherwise you may get left out you may get left there um, so these side excursions he he explains them as your heart becoming associated with other than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your heart becoming associated with other than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those are side excursions keep it real keep it focused وَتَقَدَّمَ أَنَّ السَّيْرَ عِبَارَةٌ عَنْ تَعَلُّقِ الْقَلْبِ بِاللَّهِ تَعَالَى مَعَ مُخَالَفَةِ النَّفْسِ فِي شَهَوَاتِهَا إِثَارًا لَهُ تَعَالَى عَلَى غَيْرِهِ We've already discussed before, he says, that this, this traveling towards Allah is defined as the heart becoming associated with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and just opposing, the nafs opposing all of its, all of its unworthy desires in order to give preference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over everything else. That's what it means by continue your journey to Allah. Just keep making an effort. وَهَذَا هُوَ الطَّرِيقُ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ الْمُوصِلِ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى He says, this is the straight path that will take you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهِيَ الطَّرِيقُ الشُّطَّارِ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْمَحَبَّةِ وَالشَّوْكِ إِلَى بَارِئِ النَّسَمِ And this is also the path of the champions among the people of love and desire for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how they do it. And this is how they get to the Creator of all souls. Of course, eventually, this is going to be where you are hoping to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your gateway is through death. You have to learn to die first before you actually die. And death here refers to death from just worldly desires. You must be able to kill that aspect to just love the world too much, 
loving the world too much. This has to be done bil ikhtiyar. He says bil qast, bil irada, which means you must make a conscious decision that I want to give up these things. Like I must take the love out of my heart of these things. That's what's important. It has to be done. It can't be just something you know, wait for it to happen. We must make a decision, an active decision to do that. Because human beings, we are based on resolutions. We are based on decisions. Yes, there are certain things that happen to us without making a decision. You get lucky and something happens to you. You become fortunate. Allah has written something for you to give it to you without effort. But for most things in this world, you have to make an effort. Especially for the difficult things. They don't just come like that. I mean, if, if you want to go for Hajj, then you need to make an effort. You need to be praying to Allah and you need to be saving some money because it's become quite expensive. But I've seen people who had absolutely no intention for Hajj nor the money. And suddenly, somebody just said, Hey, do you want to go for Hajj? I've got a Hajj that I need to do for my grandmother, right? But I can't go. I really wanted to do it for her and have it done. Can you go, please? I saw a number of people like that in Hajj. And they tell you, we had absolutely no idea that we were going to come for Hajj. They were, in fact, we couldn't even come for Hajj. And they were just so thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So things like that happen sometimes. Yes, you may run into a wali of Allah somewhere who may just blow on you, right? Who may just, you know, pass his hand over your head and that's it, khalas, you know, he'll help you. But you can't, I mean, that's not the real world. I mean, you can't always hope that I'm going to wait for that to happen because it may not, never happen. Alhamdulillah, if it happens, it's wonderful. That's why an effort has to be made. Allah make this easy for us. Uh, he then quotes a poem from Umar ibn al-Farid. He's quite a poet. He, is. he said basically, my nafs used to be a lawama. Right? Every time I used to obey it, then it used to take me to the wrong side. But if I used to disobey my nafs, then it used to actually help me to get to Allah. Right, it describes the Ammara and Lawama, right? If you obey it, it's just going uh, to let you do more sin. And if you go against it, then it's going to be like, oh, okay, okay, I'll come with you then, right? It's like that kind of a pathetic person, right? That they want you to go with them, but as soon as you start putting your foot down, then they kind of like sort themselves out. So nafs is a bit like that, right? In the next section, he says now, Usulu tariq al Now he gets to the real practicalities. He says these are the ten fundamentals that a person needs to get him to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So aside from the adhkar with or aside from the dhikr of La ilaha illallah, mukhalafatun nafs, then these are ten additional things that a person has to do to make it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you know what the first one of those ten principles are? Everybody, pretty much, you look at Ghazali's works, you look at anybody's works, this is the first thing that they talk about, the first principle, right? The first principle is Tawbah. And the reason is that there's no point trying to go forward if you've got baggage on you. Clean yourself up, right? You clean yourself up, you have a fresh start, then you've got, you've got a better chance. When you're driving your car around town and then you want to suddenly take a long, long distance trip, what do you do? You go and kind of clean your car up, you take out any excess, right? It's just something that we do. We do this with everything. But it has to be done. If you want to get closer to Allah, the first thing that you must do is tawbah. That's why he's saying that, وَأُصُولُهَا عَشَرَةً right? 
uh, of this path, there are ten principles. And the first one is the tawbah, which means repentance. الأول التوبة من كل ذنب ولو صغيرة على التحقيق. From every sin, repentance, even if it's a small sin. So not just the big sins. Now you're just remembering, oh, okay, I did that big sin. No, it's every sin. وإليه أشار بقوله وجدد وجوبنا التوبة. Revive your توبة. Refresh your توبة. Make anew your repentance. أي الرجوع إلى الله. What does he mean by repentance now? Repentance means turning back to Allah, going back to Allah. Almost assuming like we were with Allah before, we've kind of distanced ourselves from Him. Because we were with Allah. Right? At the end, when we, uh, at the end of the day when we were in the Alamul Arwah, we were with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We came into this world and then kind of became distant because of certain things that we did. So you need to get back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this repentance needs to be from lil awzar ay min ajli irtikab al awzar jam'u wizrin wa huwa al ma'siyah basically of, from all sins uh, what are the arkan al tawbah what are the integrals of tawbah how does a tawbah and repentance how does that become a satisfactory one an acceptable one how does a person make tawbah there are three arkan right this is probably a nice refresher for us. I'm sure most of us know about this. There are three arkan. Al-Nadam ala ma waqa'a minhu min al-mukhalafati li mura'ati haqqillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number one, to feel remorse. Just just remorse. I feel so bad. I feel so sorry and so remorseful about whatever opposition to what Allah loves. Anything that I did that is in opposition to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with, I feel bad about it. So there will be several things that will come in mind. You don't have to necessarily go and think about everything. Right? That's not always... Sometimes thinking of a sin actually gets you back into the sin because you remember the pleasure. You get a relapse. So that's why the ulama don't tell you that you must think about your sins. You must think of your sins in general about how bad they are to not about how beautiful they were or how enjoyable they were. So the idea is that, okay, I've got all of these sins. I need to repent. So the first thing is to feel remorse. Number two, والعزم على أنه لا يعود لمثله. Full resolution, full resolve that I'm not, I'm not going to do this again. I just don't want to. You can't do that unless you feel remorseful. If you say, okay, I'm not going to do this again. If you don't feel remorseful, you'll be just saying it. But the pleasure of it. So you literally have to sit down you've done something wrong you literally have to sit down and just feel bad make yourself feel bad you can't just say oh Allah I'm not gonna do this again you can say that but that's not enough that's why the first stage is to actually feel bad make yourself bad why is it bad no justification why is it bad right even if it's a small sin why is it bad so to make it seem like a monster, because it is a monster, in our, in our sight. And then after that, to say, I'm never going to... Because it's, it's easy now, once you feel remorseful that you did something, then it's much easier to then say, I'm not going to do it again, in a non-empty way. You know when somebody does something wrong, and children, and then you say, promise never to do it again. So I promise never to do it again, but they want to do it again. But if you make them actually feel guilty about why it's wrong and they see the gravity of it, then they genuinely won't want to do it again. 
at least until that gravity wears off. Number three is al iqla'u an fil hal. Number three is to actually obviously desist from that sin straight away. For example, if it's not something of the past, but it's something in the midst of doing, in the midst of planning. Right? There's a haram relationship, for example. I mean, you can't seek forgiveness for the past if you're going to carry on. Like, if your intention is to carry on. So you're not saying anything to the other person. You're just like, okay, for the past, let me at least clean that up. Right? But tomorrow I'll have to meet that person again. Do you see what I'm saying? doesn't work. You have to resolve not to do it again. And you must desist. This is obviously referring to sins that have not yet completed, not, have not yet finished. For example, you're in the middle of drinking, right? Or you like drinking every day, or every week, or whenever. Or zina, then you must stop completing that. You must stop the next time you do it. Or if it's you're, harm, you're, you're constantly bothering somebody, or you've set something up to bother somebody, whether it's a virus on them or it's just, uh, I don't know, you just bother them, or you've set something up, other people bothering them. You better get that stopped. If you've got your friends who are constantly bothering somebody because of you, right? you better stop them from doing it. You can't make toba of the past and they, you let them carry on. And, about, uh, and uh, actually another one which is very, very clear is that you are withholding somebody's right. Th that's a very common one. Withholding somebody's right, you're not giving them their due and you're trying to make tawbah. That's why he says, You must give back. And if it's something that you've done wrong to somebody, you must go and seek forgiveness. You must go and make yourself halal from it. You must get yourself absolved from it. To seek munificence or grace from the oppressed one if it's possible. Somebody you've oppressed, you go and ask them for forgiveness. Now, you only do that, he says, if you think they're gonna, it's not going to cause a bigger issue. They don't want to ever see you again. And you go there and you've oppressed them before. And they don't trust your sincerity. They're going to think you've just come to bother them again. They're just going to get more angry. Right? It's going to open up a wound again. So he says that otherwise, if you can't do that, if it's just something that is not going to work at this point in time, istaghfir lahu. Go and seek forgiveness for that person, for that oppressed person you oppressed. lahu bima yumkinuhu. And go and give sadaqah on his behalf. Now how much sadaqah are you going to wonder? How much is it worth, do you think? If it's somebody you've troubled a lot, if you trouble somebody a bit, how much do you think you should give? Ten pounds. I don't think ten pounds is going to get anywhere, man. Right. If you've troubled somebody a lot, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking in the hundreds, man. Because the more, then that shows your sincerity. Sure. Allah protect us from this kind of state anyway. Um, so, you make a stick far for them, you give sadaqah for them as much as possible. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى إِذَا عَلِمَ الصِّدْقَ الْعَبْدِ أَرْضَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ خُسَمَاءَهُ Because when Allah recognizes from a person their sincerity and their truthfulness of wanting forgiveness from that person, and they can't go to that person directly, so they do all of this, 
then inshallah Allah will satisfy them on your behalf. Because sometimes to go to somebody who you've troubled causes a bigger problem. It opens up wounds again. That's why do it this way. Maybe in the future, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you get right. And if not, then Allah will satisfy them. Because he, at the end of the day, there has to be a way to do it. Right? And a person is making the efforts. Then he says a few things, right? He says, look, can you imagine this? Um, well, actually, no. Before that, وَتَصِيحُ التَّوْبَةُ مِنْ ذَنْبٍ دُونَ آخَرٍ this is, not, this is really good. He says that don't ever get into this whole mess of that, oh, okay, if I make tawbah of this, there's no point because I'm still doing this. He says tawbah, repentance is valid from one sin, even though it may not be from another sin. So don't think that I must make tawbah for all my sins for it to be acceptable. You could make tawbah from one sin and then make tawbah from the other sin. That's fine. It'll be valid. بِخِلَافِ السَّيْدِ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فَإِنَّهُ إِنَّمَا يَصِحُ بِالتَّوْبَةِ عَنِ الْجَمِيءِ وَتَجِبُ الْمُبَادَرَةُ بِهَا But if you want to be on the path of Allah, this traveling, for this you must do tawbah from all sins. That's a condition. So if you start off with one sin and you can't do it from the other one yet, well at least start from one. But you must have tawbah from all sins eventually for you to be able to progress in your path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَتَأْخِيرُهَا ذَنْبٌ آخَرُ he says, وَتَجِبُ الْمُبَادَرَةُ بِهَا Tawbah is necessary to make as soon as possible. And he says, if you delay a tawbah from a sin, that's another sin. To delay making tawbah from a sin gives you another sin. Now this is very interesting. وَتَوْبَةُ الْكَافِرَ عَنْ كُفْرِهِ بِالْإِسْلَامِ مَقْبُولَةٌ قَطْعًا The tawbah, repentance of a disbeliever from his kufr, by becoming Muslim is 100% accepted. It's more accepted than you and I as Muslims who make tawbah for a wrong that we've done. Meaning the tawbah that we've done, it's going to be inshallah accepted, but it's possibly accepted depending on our sincerity and so on, right? But for a kafir who's just made tawbah to come into Islam, that's definitely accepted right and the reason for that is Allah says in the Quran <coughs> Suratul Anfal قُلْ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ يَنْتَهُوا يُغْفَرْ لَهُمْ مَا قَدْ سَلَفْ say to those who've disbelieved if they desist genuinely right then everything of their past will be forgiven this is as long as they feel remorse of everything. Now, if they've become Muslim, but they're going to continue whatever it is that they've been doing, they will, that will not be forgiven. But generally, when a disbeliever becomes a Muslim, they generally do it very sincerely. So it's probably the level of sincerity that it's all about. This is very helpful. He says, once you've made tawbah now and repented, your repentance will not be uh, 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 will not be cancelled out, will not break, will not be cancelled out by you returning to the sin. Even if you return to that sin a thousand times. So the idea is that you make you repent, that sin is forgiven, you do it again. 
But remember, when, when you sought forgiveness and you repented, then you must have decided not to do it again. You must have felt remorseful. Then it's a proper repentance. And once you've done that, then that's finished. It's cleared. But you could do it again. You may end up doing it again, as a lot of people do, unfortunately. But you do it again. So again, it's wiped out. As long as that presence of mind, all the conditions of Tawbah are met. And then you may end up doing it again. I mean, of course, he's exaggerating. He even did it a thousand times, but you know what, what he means. So there's always a benefit in doing the Tawbah. Always a benefit. Even if you think, you know, I've messed up so many times before. That should not make us not make the Tawbah. Because at least the previous part gets washed out. However, you will have to refresh your tawbah properly every time you return to that sin, even if it's a hundred thousand times, whatever it was. And do not become despondent of the mercy of the oft forgiving one. Remember, Allah has the name Ghafir, as He calls Himself Ghafir al-Dhamb in the Quran, which just means the one who forgives sins. Then He calls Himself the Ghaffar al-Dhunub. And then he calls himself Ghafur Rahim. So he's got three words there. Ghafir, Ghafur, and Ghaffar. Ghaffar means the one who forgets, uh, who, f- uh, who forgives abundantly. Who forgives over and over again. So, do not ever become despondent from the mercy of the oft-forgiving one. He translates this as As-Sattar Lidhunub. The one who will conceal your sins and efface them. فَإِنَّ رَحْمَةَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ Because Allah's mercy definitely encompasses everything. وَالْوَلِيُّ Now this is I think the best part here. Um, in your mind, what is a wali of Allah? Everybody will have these various different ideas in their mind. Look at this definition. I love this definition. He's saying وَالْوَلِيُّ هُوَ الَّذِي كُلَّمَا وَقَعَ تَابَ A wali a friend of Allah is the one who every time he falls into a sin, يعني, he repents. Every time you fall in sin, you can do a proper repentance, you're a wali of Allah. Just don't stay down, that's all. Does that make it easy to become a wali of Allah? Right? You don't have to have you know, the dreams of going to paradise and all that kind of stuff. Just stay away from sin. Every time you do end up doing one, just make tawbah. Qala Allahu Ta'ala. Where does he prove this from? You might be thinking this is he made this up. No, he proves it. He says, because Allah says in the Quran, Inna Allaha yuhibbut tawabin. Allah loves those who repent often. And those who Allah loves, who are they? They're the awliya Allah. Who else are they? So that's how he proves it. They're those people who every time they sin, they repent. And anybody who Allah loves, He will bring them close, in close proximity to Him. He will draw them close to Him. There is nothing more severe on the shaitan than a believer who refreshes his tawbah. Because once we do the sin, he thinks, I'm... Shaitan thinks, you're mine now. As soon as you make tawbah, we've just snubbed him. We've just snubbed him. We've just turned our noses up at him. 
وَالْيَأْسُ which he, dis, he said before وَلَا تَيْأَسُنَّ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ الْغَفَّارِ right, do not become despondent so yes means despondency أَيْ الْقُنُوتُ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ despondency means that you don't think Allah's mercy is for you you're too much of a sinner right? whether it's because of a kabira or kufr whether it's because you've done a sin or you've done kufr Allah says إِنَّهُ لَا يَيْأَسْ مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْكَافِرُونَ the only people that will ever become fully despondent of the mercy of Allah are the disbelievers, are the deniers. Because they don't realize that Allah is Ghafir, Ghaffar, Rahman, Rahim, Ghafoor, Wadud. They just don't have that idea. They just think God is like some person and He's messed you up. So it doesn't make a difference now. I don't believe in Him anymore. But anybody who truly believes in Allah, they will always be forgiving. They will always seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that ends the, the first principle, which is tawbah. Without tawbah, you can't. The second one, then he says, is shukr. It's to be grateful to Allah. We'll, we'll talk about that next time, inshallah. But for now, let us focus on our tawbah and take this step by step. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, as we discuss these 10 principles, that they actually become a, a reality for us that they, be, they become a reality for us and this is not just some kind of empty discourse. We ask Allah to make this a reality for us so that we, we are fully repented and repentant by inshallah, uh, you know, by this lesson inshallah, we, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of his awliya. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil adameen. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta ya dal jalali wal ikram. اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جزا الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله أو الله have mercy on us أو الله forgive us أو الله grant us forgiveness from all the sins we have committed أو الله grant us the ability to make a truthful and sincere توبة O oh Allah, allow us to desist from all that we have done which has displeased you. O oh Allah, and allow us to desist in the future from anything that displeases you. O oh Allah, make us focused in life on those things which please you and those things which make you satisfied. O oh Allah, grant us your love in our hearts. O oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose love benefits us in your court. O oh Allah, surround us with those who it's conducive for us to worship you with. O oh Allah, allow us to be devoted to you and express our devo devotion. O oh Allah, turn our salat into, in, into a salat that prevents us from doing the wrong and that prevents us from, from doing embarrassing things. O oh Allah, <coughs> protect us, our salat, from being lifeless, <coughs> lifeless forms. O oh Allah, accept our fasting, whatever we have done. O oh Allah, accept our hajj. O oh Allah, those of us who have not performed Hajj, O oh Allah, grant us the tawfiq to do so and allow us to come back over and over again. O oh Allah, <clears throat> give us a life in this world that is an excellent life, a hayatan tayyibah by your standards. O oh Allah, let us not be concerned about any other standard of life but your standard of life. O oh Allah, grant us. <clears throat> oh Allah, grant us those of our family members and spouses and children who will be the source of gladness for our eyes, both in this world and in the hereafter. Oh Allah, protect us and our families, especially our progeny until the day of judgment from all the fitna and trouble and 
difficulties which are out there. Oh Allah, there are a lot of distractions. Oh Allah, that distract us and that distract people in this world. Oh Allah, bring back the insaniyah to the insan. And oh Allah, allow us to live in peace and harmony. Oh Allah, remove the oppression from our brothers and sisters around the world. Oh Allah, remove oppression. Oh Allah, do not make us of those who oppress others. Oh Allah, whether we realize it or not, sometimes we may do things and we don't realize. Oh Allah, grant us a true understanding and show us the right as the right and allow us to allow us to follow it and show us the wrong as the wrong and allow us to abstain from it. Oh Allah, this journey to you, set us on this journey and make us successful in this journey. Allow us to fulfill all of the principles of this journey. Purify our hearts and allow our hearts to ascend to the higher levels of perfection. Oh Allah, when we come to you, allow us to come to you with a qalbun salim. Oh Allah, allow us to come to you with a qalbun salim, with a heart that is that is sound. Oh Allah, make us of your awliya. Oh Allah, give us the ability to repent anytime we fail. Oh Allah, protect us from failing. Protect us from failing. Oh Allah, fulfill our permissible needs. If we're studying, oh Allah, if we're studying the deen, oh Allah, grant us barakah in our studies. Oh Allah, make it useful for us. Those of us who are not studying, allow us to learn more of our deen. Oh Allah, allow us and give us the facility to do so, give us the time to do so, and the availability to do so, and the sources to do this from. Oh Allah, <clears throat> grant us barakah in our life, in our health, in our wealth. Oh Allah, remove and protect us from all physical and spiritual ailments. Oh Allah, protect us from all physical and spiritual ailments. Oh Allah, we may have wasted a lot of time in the past. Allow us in the future to not waste time and to do only those things which are useful and to avoid all of the distractions. And oh Allah, to constant, constantly remember you, to be of those who constantly remember you and who are grateful to you. Oh Allah, make us of your grateful servants. Make us of your grateful servants. And we finally ask that <clears throat> you bless us in all of our permissible endeavors. <clears throat> and you make us all keys to the doors of goodness in this world and the hereafter. Oh Allah, we don't know how to help this deen. But oh Allah, we ask that you accept us for some kind of assistance to this deen. So that it can be a sadaqah jariyah for us. For a perpetual reward for us. <clears throat> and oh Allah... We ask you that you give us the company of our Messenger Muhammad وسلم, in the hereafter and you send him abundant, <coughs> abundant blessings on the behalf of us and all the Ummah. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.